0: And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
1: So Maddie, I've got a story for you. I recently purchased one of those self-driving cars. Right? Really? And I actually had it at the mechanic because I had a bit of you know, some issues with it in the beginning. And I picked it up from the mechanic Mm. and was driving it home.
2: It was was driving you. Yeah, it was driving
1: me home, I should say. Now, as we were going home, it was approaching a set of traffic lights which turned amber, Mm. right, and then orange, and then red, but the car didn't slow down, right? It actually went through a red light. And this freaked me out a bit. Luckily, I didn't hit anyone, but it freaked me out a bit. We are approaching another set of traffic lights where it went amber, so orange, and then red. And I thought, I've got to put my foot down. So I put my foot on the brake. And the car didn't respond to that either. So it didn't respond to the stop signal coming out. It didn't respond to me slamming the brakes on. Wow. In actual fact, the car started to accelerate. Really? It started to go faster than it should. Right? Wow. Now, then the speed limit. Yeah, then the speed limit. Jeez. Right? Then the regulations saying you should go at this speed. It went faster than that. Wow. So I thought, that, how am I going to stop this bloody thing? And I thought, I know. I have to hit the kill switch. I've got to kill it. got to kill the car. So... Turned the keys, pulled them out, car kept going. It ignored that kill switch.
2: Sounds a bit benign to me, if you ask me.
1: Well, let's keep listening. Because <laughs> as I'm driving through, I thought... It's, only, it's driving me. As life. it's driving me, uncontrollably, mind you, mm. we're coming up to a barrier in the wall, right? And I thought, like the road, is, end of the like road. Like the end of the road. I thought, this is going to stop us. This has to stop us. Wow. The car went through the barrier. So the area in which it was supposedly to confine us, just it went straight through.
2: Made its own road.
1: Made its own road. Well, that's the thing. On the other side of this barrier is a dirt road, dirt track, and then it started to go onto grass. Didn't care. It just thought that it was road. Made its own road. That's right. And I, I'm like, okay, the only way this is going to stop now is if it runs out of fuel. Of course. And then something amazing happened.
2: No, the car
1: no. started to use a new source of fuel must have sucked it out of the air and its surrounding environment it's basically found a novel way to create fuel for itself
2: how invasive
1: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Dr. Matt and Dr. Mike's medical podcast. You may have thought, what the hell are we talking about with this car? I obviously didn't buy a self-driving car. I don't even know if they're available in Australia at the moment. But Especially those ones. Especially the ones that don't work. <laughs> but that analogy, which in part was adopted from our... Favourite physiologist. Favourite physiologist, Dr. Najib. Yeah, he's a champ. He's an absolute champ. That analogy is for what, Matty? Uh, I don't want to say
2: cancer because it's probably a misnomer. Yeah. Well, I guess it was at the end, but let's just call it a neoplasm.
1: A neoplasm, which is basically cancer, but again, the definitions we will go through. Mm. So a couple of things that I spoke about were the car wasn't responding to the stop signal. Yeah. The car didn't respond to me putting my foot on the brake. The car went quicker, went faster than the signals were telling it to go. Mm-hmm. It didn't respond to the kill switch. It moved outside of the boundaries that was supposed to enclose it. I had picked it up from the mechanics, which was supposed to identify these problems and fix it. Yeah, right? It made its own road ahead of it, and it created its own fuel source. How's that? A lot of stuff there. Pretty it? much ticked most of the boxes there for the... Hallmarks of cancer, right? Yeah. And that's what we're going to focus on. We're going to focus on the what tends to be the general hallmarks of cancer today from the contemporary literature, what people state, what researchers state. Okay. Because it is a quite a widespread disease, isn't it? Well, that's right. So cancer is a, a disease of dividing cells. Would you agree? Yeah, I guess I have the, to. Right? It's a disease of dividing cells, and if a cell isn't going to divide or isn't likely to divide, it's less likely to develop cancer. And when you say divide, you
2: just mean copy itself, right?
1: Yeah, go from one cell to two cells, yeah. basically. And if it, in order for a cell to make a copy of itself, mm. it needs to double the DNA, needs mm. to double the proteins, double the organelles. If you were to make another copy of you... Clone itself? You'd, yeah, if you were All to clone right. yourself, you are got to double your contents. Yeah, okay. That's what a cell does, and then it pulls itself apart and splits okay. into two. All right. And so that's called cell division, Okay. And in order for cell division to occur it needs stimulants and uh signals coming normally. from the body you normally, talking? normally. Right, okay. In order for this start. and this is a normal thing that happens, right? If you injure yourself, let's say you cut your skin, yeah, yeah. you've damaged your skin yeah. and it needs to heal. Right. But in order for it to heal, the cells that are present need to divide, make more copies right. and fill the gap. Fill the gap in. So mm-hmm. there are signals that tell them to divide and then when they're finished, there's signals to tell them to stop.
2: Yeah. Similar so to if you if you were to um let's say Cut your liver in half, because a liver is usually a, a static organ mm. in its adult form. But if you were to cut it in half, like let's say you had to remove a lobe out of it because of some condition, the cells in the liver would actually regrow itself back to full size and okay. then stop again.
1: And then stop. So there is a barrier to it, right? It's a barrier, it's, yeah. It's got its own confined space in which it knows it needs to sit within.
2: So, it's got so st- this gives it the definition of neoplasm. Okay. Because... By the name neo-new pl- plasm, sorry I shouldn't say neo. Neopla- I should be saying neoplasia. Neoplasia, yeah. Pla- not neoplasm. Neoplasia, yeah. ne- new growth. Yeah. Right? Uh, opposed to say tumour, which you might hear the, the word tumour. Well actually let's just get definitions. Okay, the first one, neoplasia just means new growth. Tumour, um, swelling. Yeah and that was probably first used to, to describe inflammation that's right so the latin term for swelling it's is tumor yeah. okay so that's probably incorrect use of the word really yeah. uh, in the cancer setting and then we have cancer which works off latin or greek for crab like crab. the like the star sign right
1: so what's that got to do with the growth
2: well I guess they would have looked at certain cancers back in those times and they found that it had these kind of projections like crab feet oh. that goes out from a body
1: yeah. out into the tissues.
2: Oh, and that's and interesting. It made it look like a
1: crab. There you go. Okay,
2: so we've got cancer, we've got tumour, we've got neoplasia.
1: Which are often used interchangeably, but, right. but if you want to be specific, it's that's yeah. not the case.
2: So I think that the correct terminology is to probably use the, the term neoplasia yeah. or neoplastic, yeah. which means new growth. Yes. Now, be careful because you gave examples where, say, you cut yourself mm. and you're now at the wound level getting new growth. Okay? True. So that's normal. Or, you're, you know, Tia, your little one, yeah. uh, how old is she now? Six, Six months. Six months. So go back, uh, Six a, months, year, yeah. go back a year yeah. and your partner mm. has a new growth in her. That's true. All right? that's but true. it's not abnormal. No, that's right. That's a good point. So we should be careful about say a neoplastic or a neoplasic growth mm. is really an abnormal
1: growth. Which then brings us to what therefore, if, if a neoplasm is a new growth, what then defines something as a cancer compared to a normal growth? And so this is where these hallmarks come into play, yeah. right? And so do you want us should I bring up these hallmarks and then we'll discuss them one by one? Is that how you want to do it?
2: Yeah, I think it's just as long as it we, all the listeners uh, are okay with the idea that when we use the word neoplasia now, mm. new growth, we, we're we looking at it as an, in an abnormal set of circumstances yeah. where the growth is now excessive, it's uncoordinated, and it's persistent. So mm. just like the car that you explained, that... It's excessive growth now, so unlike the wound or the liver, it's just going to keep growing. It doesn't stop once it's done its job.
1: So okay. let's actually stop there because right. that's pretty much... We can use that as number one. That's, we can say that that's the first hallmark of cancer okay. is what we call unlimited or unchecked proliferation. All right. So that, that's talking about this continual growth. So normal tissues... Have this intrinsic mechanism that tell them, jump into the cell cycle and make copies of themselves, and then jump out of the cell cycle and stop okay. when when they need to. So is it fair to say that this is all starting
2: off one for one cell? Let's do that. Okay. So there's one problematic cell in this mix.
1: And it's also important to say, so even though we're jumping into the hallmarks now, we need to say that, I said cancer is a disease of rapidly dividing cells, mm. but it also is of a genetic cause.
2: Okay, so Cancers it's always...
1: are genetic. Always genetic. Always. You know, there's going to be naysayers out there that say that they're not. That it's not genetic. And there's other causes of cancer that are not genetic. Now, I'm not talking about... Inherited. Well. Is that what you mean? No, what I'm saying is that while there are various um, etiologies okay. of cancer, yeah. the underlying mechanism... Yeah that results in cancerous tissue yeah. is genetic. All right. So, for example... But, isn't you,
2: that, but wouldn't you say that's
1: basically the etiology? Absolutely. Yeah. But what if we're referring to um, risk factors?
2: Yeah, risk factors are different.
1: Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Because you won't be able to necessarily say that one particular... Let's just say we know that UV light mm-hmm. damages the DNA within our skin, okay. and that increases our likelihood for cancer. So and UV light is a risk factor, yeah, 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 and not the etiology. We didn't define etiology, meaning the cause of. Cause of yeah. So let's just say cancer is a, rapidly, uh, a, a, is a disease of rapidly dividing cells and has a genetic cause. Yep. Now, before we jump into the hallmarks, I think it's important to say that if cancer is a disease of rapidly dividing cells, let's think of some cells that have, you know, M- m- divide more rapidly than others and talk about maybe uh, yeah, the yeah, incidence of cancer. How it's
2: kind of normal and then becomes abnormal. Yeah, so... Can I just ask you a quest- quick question first? I'm not going to say pause here because you get upset. <laughs> now, you're the geneticist, so this is your bread and butter, mm-hmm. but let's just make it clear to the listeners. So inside a cell is in almost 99.999% of all cells in your body, besides, say, red blood cells. Yep. You have your nucleus, which contains all your DNA. Every single cell, besides the red blood cell, has the same DNA. Mm-hmm. Okay, and in that DNA, it codes for all your proteins that you could ever produce. And
1: proteins do all the things yeah. in
2: your body. Right. Um, and the, the certain segments of the DNA that
1: code for the proteins are genes.
2: Right. Yes. Now, if a
1: gene, a gene is the smallest, sec, a smallest portion of DNA yeah. that can encode a functional protein.
2: Right. And that, and essentially, the DNA is just an alphabet that you can read to then encode something or yeah, a protein. Yeah, but this alphabet
1: only has four letters.
2: Okay. Uh, and then finally, if you, for this cell that we're going to talk about, for it to copy or clone itself, it has to essentially copy all of its DNA, so all of its chromosomes, to then have a new clone of itself.
1: That's right. Correct? So you have 23 pairs of chromosomes in that nucleus. Yep. Those chromosomes are just tightly packaged bundles of the DNA, okay. which are made up of the four letters. Yep. And there's actually three billion of these letters in a big long string yep. that look quite random in their assortment, but yep. if read in a particular way, in a particular order, encode about twenty to thirty thousand genes, okay. which encode proteins that have a function. Right. And so now, ultimately,
2: for this cell to become abnormal and become, let's say neoplasic, or uh-huh. let's just say cancer-like, quote-unquote.
1: Start beginning the hallmarks of cancer.
2: Something has to go wrong in the DNA. Correct. And that's why
1: you're saying the basis of it is always genetic. That's right. And there's a couple of genes, or actually there's a good handful of genes, okay. um, which specifically if mutations are present within, yep. and these mutations result in a change of yep. function of the protein, meaning okay. an upregulation or down-regulation. As an example, or a loss of function or gain of function, then this can actually uh, increase the likelihood of the, d- the development of cancers. Brilliant.
2: So, I just wanted to get a basis so all the listeners know that a cell's how likely its likelihood to copy itself, mm. or to go from a hibernated state where it'll never ever copy itself ever again once, or it might do it daily.
1: Okay. So, okay. happy with that. Yeah, absolutely. And the basis
2: of that is in its DNA. That's right. All right. So now let's give the examples. What? Give me three examples of cells in the body. Mm-hmm. One that will never, ever, 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 ever yeah. copy itself.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't know if I could say never, ever, 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 but I can say uh, one that... Let's uh, just generalize. Yeah. Ones that will do it only occasionally
2: and yeah. then ones, let, let's say, do it daily.
1: Okay. Go for it. All right. So one that supposedly never, ever, 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 ever would include your neurons.
2: Okay. So these are your... Cells that send electrical signals in your nervous system. That's right. So let's okay. talk about uh, neurons of the central nervous system, so brain. Okay. Okay. So little, tiny, long cells that send sparks of electricity to help you communicate something.
1: They're often termed post-mitotic, meaning once they've undergone their first division, yeah. they're done. They won't ever jump into that cell cycle and make more copies of themselves. Now, this isn't necessarily true, but we're going we're, to generalise. Okay.
2: And... Let me just put my embryological hat, hat on here. Oh, cool. I like this hat. This outrageous... <laughs> this,
1: <laughs> Wait, this stop. stop Feathered and coloured tartan hat that you've got on. I'm Scottish. All right. I can tell. So going back to
2: some of the other podcasts, we spoke about how neurons develop from mm. the um, neural chip. Okay. But once they've been put into the right place, they now are differentiated to be neurons. Yeah. Okay. So if you go back to once the body's developing, the embryo's developing... Mm-hmm. They are what we call de-differentiated Or undifferentiated. Or we could call them very
1: plastic, which is important for neoplastic. So you're saying that before any particular cell, including a neuron, becomes a cell Mm. or a neuron, Mm. it goes from an undifferentiated state to a differentiated state, which means it goes from something in which it isn't anything in particular but could be a bunch of stuff. That's right. And then turns into something more... it goes down a specific lineage or pathway Brilliant. to turn into something specific. Yes, perfect. Okay, and, and that's important for cancer, yeah, it's right? Yes, very,
2: very important. And that will come much later, but let's lock it in there. So that's the first example. Great point. It is now locked in as a neuron, and let's just generalise, it will never, ever copy itself again. Okay. So if it was to die, you're not going to get it back. Okay. Brilliant. Now go into the ones that may replicate but Maybe, not frequently.
1: But not frequently. Uh, let's just say uh, liver cells, hepatocytes.
2: Like we said before.
1: Yeah, every, every, every couple of months, every couple of years.
2: Okay, let's say so you had a car accident. You were to cause quite a lot of trauma to your abdomen, caused a laceration to the liver. The surgeon came in, had to pull out, let's say, a small amount of a lobe mm-hmm. um, to contain the bleeding, sewed everything up. Um, you've now got half the size of what you should have. You're telling me that over a period of time, I don't know how long, over a period of time, those liver cells will actually make new liver cells until that full size is back to how it once was. That's right. But when they get to that original size, it will pause and stop. Yeah,
1: until they get another stimulus to do this. Oh, so. brilliant. And then one that does it all the time, yeah. daily basis, skin. Okay. Yeah, yeah your epidermis. So right. the top layer of your skin uh, Every day, those, the cells will die, yep. and then they'll slough off. That's the term we use for when they basically just shed off our body. Okay. And then we make more skin cells, and yep. the, this starts at, at, at the bottom layer, and they push yep. their way upwards. But this happens constantly. Okay. So we've got cells such as neurons yep. that don't go, undergo the cell cycle, and yep. they just st- you have them f- for your entire life. Then you've got liver cells, which will change every couple of weeks, couple of months, couple of years, and then you've got skin cells that do it all the time, every day. Now, this is important because when we start talking about cancers, right, a cancer will predominantly more so be found in cells that are more active within the cell cycle. Right. And so, th- what this means is statistically yeah, yeah. a cell that copies itself more often okay. increases its likelihood of putting in a mutation or a change in that DNA yep. which affects one of these important genes. Yep. And that's passed on to the next generation, yep. and can have a negative effect on the growth. Okay. Or I should maybe say a positive effect on the growth. And I'm going to take a look at it. And yeah, that's right. And produce a cancer, which well, means that brain cancers are far less common because they don't undergo that cell cycle, and skin cancers are far more common. Okay. Does that make sense?
2: Well, I think you've got to be careful when you say brain cancers mm-hmm. because there are cells in the brain, True. that will replicate quite frequently. And they're the ones that may present as a brain cancer, like glioblastomas, like glia or like meninges. Very true. Okay, whereas neuroblastomas mm. from the neuron is, as best I know, quite rare. Much more rare. That's right. But okay. skin cancers. So is it fair? By, is it fair to say that in most cases it will come from a stem cell, the cancerous yeah, cell, more likely to come from a stem cell, so a, a cell that is producing the, that type of cell in that area. so.
1: Well, it would just be one of the dividing cells. But, it, but in, the skin, yes, in I a skin, am I wrong by that saying that the,
2: that is a stem cell that produces the new cells that go up and then slow off?
1: That's right. So yeah. the basal cells yeah. of the epidermis yeah. Yeah. Are, but are, stem are, cells, right? are basically stem That's cells.
2: That's why I was always yeah. understood it.
1: They're not fully undifferentiated. No, oh, no,
2: no. There's different degrees of stem cells, on that That's right. But that's what
1: the way i always thought. yes. all right, right, all right. let's
2: right. let's get into it
1: then. okay, so first hallmark you spoke about was this proliferation. so this constant growth, right? so we could potentially in the analogy, we could say that what this was was the slamming the foot down on the accelerator. Okay. the car going faster. it was what was happening was that it was not listening to the speed limit and it kept going faster. it wasn't the speed limit said you can only go this fast. This is your limitation. Okay, so that's, but the car went faster. Right. Which means that with a cancerous cell, there's use, well, with it a normal cell, it doesn't pay attention what to what it should do. There's normal stimuli that say, now what you need to do is grow and divide, okay. and now stop. But with a cancer cell, it's just constantly growing and dividing. It's ignoring the speed limit. Okay. Does that make sense? Yep. And so this is because there's these dysregulated signals within cancer cells. Um, Does that make sense? Yeah, so
2: this is where these these important terms come in, and a lot of people would have heard this in cancer terminology, I guess, Mm -hmm. where we have a term that's called a proto-oncogene and an oncogene. So in a normal cell, to tell the cell to now replicate itself or copy itself, there is a set of genes called the proto-oncogenes, which initiate the start of the cell cycle, or at least to copy its DNA, ready for a new cell, Mm -hmm. right? That's the proto-oncogene. That's a normal cell. Yeah. Okay. However, in a cancerous cell, these proto-oncogenes have been mutated, okay, for various causes or reasons, to now become constantly turned on. Yes. And so this has now changed in terminology from proto now just as an oncogene. That's right. And so now these, or this one cell has now been almost permanently switched on to constantly replicate itself and with Accelerator down to do it, let's say, quickly.
1: That's right. Does that that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Oncogenes, if there's a mutation within an oncogene, or numerous mutations within an oncogene, and people need to be aware that not all mutations are bad, right? Okay. The majority have a neutral effect because there's oh. a lot of redundancy in DNA.
2: And how many... I just heard a number here. You you might know this much better than I. But how many possible
1: mutations could you have a day in all your cells that you make in you? Oh, God. You undergo trillions of cell cycles within yeah. your lifetime, which... And there's 3 billion base pairs on, or letters within the DNA. Hmm. I don't know what the number would be. I'm sure it's large. I'm sure well, we could... Well, the number I heard
2: was... A about 10,000 mutations a day. So, there you go. So 10,000,
1: is it problematic copies? Not sure if it would be problematic copies. So if you have 10,000... No, I know you said
2: that it could be neutral without yeah, a negative or a the positive. The majority
1: would be neutral. Yeah. And then you'd have a number which uh, has a negative effect yeah. and others which have like an, exas- an exacerbation. Okay. So right. when, when it comes to the oncogenes, you need a mutation yeah. that doesn't turn it off. Right. Or shut it down, stop be, it from working. It has to be on constantly. has to be a mutation that yep. keeps it on.
2: Okay. so Alright, so we've got a mutation now in the... Oncogene. Oncogene. So now the cell cycle on this one cell yep. is now constantly on. Yep. So it's been instructed through its genes, yep. this list of pro- oncogenes, to now say, hey, cell, we need to be, continue to copy ourselves.
1: And this is the unlimited proliferation that we were talking about.
2: Okay. Okay. Alright, so,
1: so that's done. That's done. Number two? Now... So you spoke about the, the handbrake
2: or the um, footbrake. Yes. So that's the inhibitor. So you've also got genes that would normally in a cell tell it, all right, turn off now. That's right. So in a cancerous cell, you have to also get a mutation with these genes, which are called the tumour suppressor genes. Sounds okay. like they should suppress tumours. Yeah. Yeah. But these get mutated off. So now you've got a mutation on for the accelerator, yep. and now your brakes have failed. Yes. So that's the genes that usually tell it to stop, and
1: now... So you've got a foot on the accelerator and a foot off the brake. And the brakes have failed. So onca genes need to be switched on. Yep. Tumor suppressors need to be switched off. Right. Okay. So now, that means that... Can um, I just add something to this point? Yeah, yeah. Now, the
2: propensity or the likelihood of this happening, or this might be now the risk factors, mm-hmm. the risk factors that may lead to at least let's say these two things occur in there's probably another whole lot of other things oh yeah but for this to occur can be what we call the ca- things that are carcinogenic okay so, so these
1: carcinogenic so carcinogens will increase the likelihood of changing your dna yes to to put a mutation or an incorrect
2: um letter okay sure into the DNA, and yep. this is the genetic basis of now cancers, right?
1: Yeah. The, yeah, I think it's important. It's probably not that important, but I think people should be aware that not all mutations is swapping one letter for another letter. Okay. Some mutations will take out a big chunk yep. of these letters. Yep. Some will add a big chunk. Okay. Some will just copy, directly copy what's already there and just put in a bunch of copies. All right. Um, and some may be, or, or in, insert two or three letters Take out two or three. So it's any variable change that can occur with these letters. Okay. So these are essentially the things
2: that increase the likelihood of um, the, the, the oncogenes to be mutated and the tumour suppressor genes to, say, be turned off. Mm-hmm. Some, of the, some risk factors for this or some things that would likely put a, a mutation into the DNA yes. could be things like radiation. So that could come from the sun. So UV radiation. UVA, so you go out in the sun too long. So it's a, a more of a problem for me than you. Yeah, um, that's true. So you spend too much time in the sun. Mm-hmm. L- the light coming from the sun has a, a spectrum in it, which is the ultraviolet yep. end, and we don't yeah. want and any of that UVB for some r- for some reason. Uh, it is heavily
1: absorbed in the DNA. Yes. Okay. Opposed to the light spectrum, but now we've usually got melanocytes. Yep. Right. So these are cells that produce a chemical called melanin, and melanin is a protective agent that that,
2: that absorbs it for you. It
1: acts like an umbrella on the nucleus, so that as the UV comes in, instead of the nucleus and the DNA absorbing the UV, leading to damage, the melanin absorbs it. Now, the more UV and the more melanin absorption stimulates the melanin or melanocyte cells to grow, creating more melanin, and the darker your skin becomes.
2: Yeah, right. So, this radiation can go in to those basal cells in your epidermis. And get absorbed into the DNA, and maybe cause a mutation yes. in these genes. Yep. So now the cell is activated on, inhibited off, and now it can start replicating.
1: Yeah. So activating tumor, uh, inhibiting tumor suppressors. Is off. Activating oncogenes. So I
2: can speak from experience here. I've okay. had what we call a basal cell carcinoma, or BCC. a BCC. So this is a a cancer. Um, generally considered a benign cancer, but we'll get to that term in a second, um, at the base level, and um, essentially from UV light. Mm. So that UV light's an example. So we'll that's just one
1: radiation. You could also be like the Hulk and be subject to gamma radiation, right?
2: Yeah, so you saw so that numerous types of radiation. in those uh, good examples... From Chernobyl mm. or from um, Hiroshima, Nagasaki, yes. and so you were exposed to a whole lot of radiation. I'm not sure the type; um, gamma would be part of it. Okay, which caused you know very significant degree. Yeah, and so that could we could go on forever there, but yeah, I mean, yeah. it could cause uh, cancer for those living now mm-hmm. or in that particular time, or sub their subsequent children would then get it through you know. Um, being in the soil or whatever, and then they're having defects and so forth. Yeah. Which may maybe not be cancer, but it might cause problems. Other things could be a virus. Yeah. So virus, a virus could come in to your cell. The way that viruses replicate is they inject their genetic material into your cells. They get incorporated into your genome or into your DNA and usually just make new viruses. Mm. But some viruses can inject it and cause
0: the DNA mutation... Changes.
2: And a good example is the HPV, the human papilloma virus. Yes. And what type uh, of cancer does that... That causes a papilloma cancer, yeah. which is an epith- uh, epithelial cancer mm-hmm. on the cervix, usually the cervix. It's not only the cervix, but it's most likely the cervix of the uterus. And
1: there's actually many different types of this HPV virus, right? Yeah. And so there's a subset of them which increases the likelihood for the development of uh, human... Um, uh, cervical cancer, yeah, which I should say. Yeah,
2: which is papillona. P-
1: p- pap- papillona?
2: Well, I think papillona just means the type of epithelial cancer. Anyway, that's an example. But, yeah, you but now, we've
1: got, now we've got a vaccine for yeah. HPV, which hopefully means we're going to eradicate right. the most significant cause of cervical cancer within yeah. the next few years.
2: Other examples could be bacteria. There's, bacteria. There's examples where bacteria could cause enough irritation, um, let's say, in the stomach. Colon cancer? Maybe not stomach, but maybe... Colon? Well, I think, I could be wrong, but I think Helicobacter is a, a possible cause in the stomach. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I, I think it's just through enough irritation. People need
1: to know that Helicobacter pylori is the bacteria which has been shown to result in ulcers, stomach yeah. ulcers. So they used to think that you know, ulcers were caused due to stress. There's actually not much significant uh, evidence there to suggest that but it was predominantly, it's predominantly caused by a bacterial infection. Yeah. And an Australian won the Nobel Prize for this because he decided to drink some Helicobacter pylori, give himself an ulcer, and then swallow some antibiotics and demonstrate that he could cure it. Not probably the best way to do science, <laughs> but got him a Nobel Prize. Yeah. So bacteria as well, what else uh, can cause a host, of,
2: a host of chemicals. Yeah. Acids. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, certain compounds potentially in synthetic plastics and so forth. What about
1: direct physical damage? I don't know. Yeah. Direct physical damage can do it. I can't think of an example. Well, you can just directly damage okay. your cells physically. Mechanically. Mechanically, yeah. Oh. All right. It's not, it's not
2: a likely cause, but it can. You know what, surprisingly? What? I've heard Dr. Carl talk about this a few times, but he, he said, because you know how you'll hear a lot of people talk about, you know, forms of cooking mm. can induce... Carcinogens, mm. and there's a lot of hysteria with, say, use of microwaves, yeah. and they think that microwaves will induce. Now, I'm not, I can't definitely say it doesn't. It doesn't, or does. It doesn't. But the best, the best knowledge that they have in science suggests it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because it's non-ionising. Non-ionising. Um, oh, like when, you about, when you talk about when you talk about ionising. Um, that's another spectrum of the, of the electromagnetism. That's right. Um, and then you've got x-rays. So if you sat in an x-ray machine all day, oh, yeah. chances are you might chances get cancer. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Dr. Carl said that probably the biggest carcinogenic form of cooking mm. is barbecuing. Yeah. Now, don't ask me... I think this is the type of hydrocarbons...
1: That are produced from produced, the smoke. And, and that's
2: a carcinogen-like chemicals. Now, when yeah. I say that... It doesn't mean that you're going to get no. 100% cancer no. or guaranteed. Or it increases the likelihood of mutational changes occurring. Yeah, and so it's all about e- risk. It's all statistics. Exactly. Stand. And so a good a good example is smoking cigarettes. Mm-hmm. That they are carcinogenic properties in That's this, right. and if you were to smoke, let's say for 30 years, you have a almost a sixfold increase.
1: Yeah, but we can't say, right, that smoking causes no, cancer, but we can say smoking significantly increases. increases your likelihood of developing cancer. So you could say... So smoking is by a By smoking
2: long term, you have a 600% increased likelihood of inducing mutations mm. into
1: these things we're just talking about now. That's a lot, isn't it? Yeah.
2: Anyway, all right. so, so we've I'll done the first two.
1: All right, so, so, we've so can I quickly say with that second one, with the tumour suppressor, right? Yeah. So you, you've mentioned two important genes, the oncogenes, and the tumor suppressors. and genes need to be turned on or upregulated. Tumor suppressors need to be turned off or downregulated. An example of a tumor suppressor gene which has a mutation in it that causes the tumor suppressor to be turned off is BRCA1. Okay, so that's... Breast cancer. Yeah, it's so one of the most likely... One of the most significant causes of aggressive breast cancer are mutations within BRCA1. What's the BRCA stand for? I don't know, actually.
2: Because it's also... It's also a gene. But BRCA1
1: is a tumour suppressor. Yeah, it's also a,
2: a tumour suppressor in prostate as well.
1: There you go. So, so that's why when people... So when I don't get, think it's specifically... To, so when people do genetic screens to determine yeah. their likelihood for breast cancer, they could can do a screen for okay, BRCA1 that's a good point. and identify mutations present within yep. BRCA1 that increase your likelihood of developing breast
2: cancer. Yeah, and so this is a good point, that this is where the inheritance come into it. Mm-hmm. So some people have inherited from their mother, let's say sick with breast cancer, mm-hmm. inherited from their mother, the BRCA one mutation. That's right, and that's significantly increased their likelihood that they will then get breast cancer.
1: And so I think uh, isn't that what Angelina Jolie screened for? I'm not found sure. that she uh, mightn't be.
2: Uh, it could be BRCA one. I'm not sure.
1: I think it was, and, and she decided to perform a, um, a double mastectomy, yep. which is br- both breasts breast breast removed mm. as a prophylactic, right? Yeah. Okay, good. Let's let's keep going. All right, number three. Can I say number three? Yeah, of course. Okay, so resist cell death is what cancers do. You know what? What? I've got
2: one before that. Which one? I, I don't. I guess it doesn't. It doesn't matter about the order, but I've got the DNA repair genes.
1: Okay, let's okay, um, let's talk about that because remember I said I took my car to the mechanic. Mm. And the mechanic was supposed to fix those problems, but didn't. Yeah. So you're right about DNA repair. We every day, like you said, we're bombarded with UV. We're bombarded with pollutants and particulates and things that are going to result and just de novo, de novo. So of nothing, of new changes in our DNA. Yep. So these changes actually do occur, right? All right. And so why don't we get cancers every day? Is because we've got repair mechanisms yeah, that go through our DNA, read each letter. Letter by letter by wow, letter by letter amazing. and determine whether that letter should be there or shouldn't be there. Amazing. And so, so that, that if goes it to shouldn't 10, be there, 000, it changes
2: it. That goes to the 10,000 mutations per day. Yes. They might just get be, be fixed.
1: Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Well, at least they should be. Yeah. And so if there's issues in that DNA repair mechanism, then it increases the likelihood of maintaining a mutation that has a detrimental effect.
2: Yeah. And I think a good example of a gene is the P53 gene. I think mm-hmm. you know a lot of people may have heard this gene. I think this is a repair gene, mm-hmm. and I guess in a cancer, let's say our cell that we're talking about, um, it has been this repair gene has been mutated off, so yeah. it's been turned off. So it's
1: not fixing it anymore. That's right. So your mechanic isn't doing his job. His day off. Yeah, I took it to the mechanic <laughs> on his day off. Not how I still paid for it. Still so. paid for it. So let's go to my one now, which is um, resisting cell death. So remember, I said I tried to turn the kill switch. Yeah, I didn't like
2: that. I think that's quite. As I said, quite benign. I think you could have come up with a better.
1: No, I don't think so. I think that's apt. How do you turn a car off and stop it from working? Do you turn the car? I reckon
2: you should have had a button, a self-destructive
1: button, where you could just press it and blow the car up. Blow the car up. (laughs) Yeah, but that's that. that, I know I exaggerated the analogy, but blowing the car up. Well, that's what cells do. they They don't blow up, everyone. They don't blow up. Well, they can undergo apoptosis and senescence. And yeah,
2: but when you want to want to sell apoptosis, which
1: basically means programmed programmed cell suicide. Yeah, sure, it doesn't. Pop. Apoptosis means the leaves falling off the trees in winter. Isn't that beautiful? That's what uh, Well, it doesn't happen in winter. It happens in autumn. Autumn is autumn, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> live in Australia, we only have two
2: seasons here. We do, especially in Queensland. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, um, <laughs> if, if cells have a chance to kill themselves mm. for the greater good of the body. Uh, Yes, they don't explode, but (laughs) they will kill themselves in a way that um, is still destructive.
1: It's a a cascading pathway, a molecular pathway, that leads to the the cells just stopping their function and turning off. Unlike necrosis, which is blowing up. No. So, (laughs) okay, so the cells can evade cell death, right? And usually this is signalled. So usually... If there's a problem with a cell, so so if there's a problem with something going on around it, there's a signal that gets turned on which says, okay, you should kill yourself, things aren't going right. (laughs) So, for example, what you'll find is, you know, we spoke about the oncogenes before. If too many oncogenes are turned on, right, usually this is a signal for cells to undergo apoptosis because they know I shouldn't be replicating this much and they turn off, which means that this is sort of like a, a backup mechanism that if, the, if we do have a mutation in our oncogenes that turn it on, resulting in this unlimited proliferation, right, Yeah, yeah. then it, it should stimulate apoptosis, which is programmed cell death, to turn them off, okay. which means you also need some mutational change in the genes that regulate apoptosis to tell it not to work.
2: Right. So these, okay with that? So these genes that would be switched on to kill the cell mm-hmm. have now again been mutated, yes. but mutated off. That's right. So now the cell doesn't, can't even kill itself. That's right.
1: And look, you've got pro-apoptotic and anti-apoptotic genes. So this means, means survival changes. genes and
2: yeah. death genes.
1: And So you need changes in both, or at least wow. changes in both uh, alter this process.
2: Okay, and, then, and this works pretty well hand-in-hand hand with the next point, which is every time you copy yourself as a cell mm. and you copy all your DNA, mm-hmm. you have this protective ends to your DNA... That's right. ...called telomeres. Yes. Okay. But every time you copy them,
1: you shorten these telomeres. So this actually moves to the next point, right, which is enabling replicative immortality.
2: Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to end with. Sorry, you on. ruined that. <laughs> so when you copy your DNA... Yeah. ...let's just say in a normal cell again, let's mm-hmm. go to um, skin cells. Yeah. Um, every time they copy themselves or clone themselves, they've got to copy all their DNA for the new cell. Yes. All right? Now, when they do that, just like um, making a copy from back in the day when you have a new CD, Mm -hmm. making a copy from that... Burning the CD. That that initial master copy. Yeah. The next um, generation... Just copies it from that copy, yes, and then that keeps copying it. When copying you say next
1: generation, you mean next generation of
2: cell, of cell. Not, not the offspring no, of no, the no, no, no. individual. And so once you've done that twenty copies, let's say, mm. that quality of the sound in the CD mm. is rubbish. Yeah. So similar to our cells, or at least altered, altered. <laughs> okay. Um, so similar to our cells, our cells normally—not talking about cancers here—normally um, will only have a certain amount of times. It can copy itself before it's now
1: said, look, that's it for me. I'm done. Now that's a good point. So Matt and I perform medical research, right? And throughout our PhDs, we often did something called tissue culture, where we would take cells that have been taken from animals or humans, whatever. you,
2: you know what I did?
1: What? Uh, my mum would laugh at this one.
2: Yeah. Um, I, I, I cultured fibroblasts yeah. from... From foreskin. Uh, Who's? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure where it came from. What do you mean? So it was a. Co- it's a common type of lineage of cells you can get, which yeah. I, I guess came from circumcised boys. Yeah. And we would just get the cells from the, the
1: scar. Is this in your research? My research. So you got well, ethical approval for this? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't just go to a hospital. And, I was just going to say you didn't go just a go, go a down model. the street.
1: You just were like asking around. So
2: um, I would. You know, sometimes joked my mum, I said, oh, I've got to go to uni today to feed my little... Foreskin. <laughs> my, little, my little penises. <laughs> but, so that's just essentially connective tissue cells from the foreskin. Yeah. So i got a bit of foreskin. Oh, I didn't really. But I've got um, cells from the foreskin that were chopped off from a baby boy Yeah. and you can grow them. Yes. But these are what we call primary cells. Why did you want to grow them? Because so needed to test on their cells. Okay. Okay. Because part of my research was looking at... Um, toxicity studies and stuff. Okay. Anyway, so... so the point
1: was, my you, point you was got normal cells. Yeah, normal
2: cells. growing okay. up in a dish. Okay, yep, that's right. But they could only replicate themselves a certain number, mm. let's say 20 times, Yeah. Um, before they would stop and that would be the end. I couldn't get any more copies out of them.
1: And, or in addition to that, right? So that's a good point. So you were growing these normal cells, what, what we call fibroblasts. So yep connective tissues sort they of They make collagen. They make collagen. And they would replicate in that dish. Yeah. Now, the to- they would stop replicating for a number of reasons, but one reason would be if they've undergone enough replicative cycles, they'd stop. Yeah, that's that's right. one. Yeah. The other... 20 generations of About still. 20 generations, but the other uh, trigger to stop them from going was if these cells touch the edge of the dishes so if it became what we call confluent which means yeah. that dish is entirely filled with cells if those cells ended up touching each other and touching yeah. the walls they'll stop e- definitely each other which means the barriers this is where we go to the analogy of the car moving through the barrier which means the barriers maybe are, are, maybe not in part it def- I think so it's I'm not more talking about metastasis here oh, no, I'm, no, just, no. I'm just talking about cells that are non-cancerous love cell to cell contact Yep. right
2: because that kind of inhibits
1: their growth, so that's talking probably more... Let me. Okay, I'll save that for the next <laughs> point. Let's, let's actually stick to this point where you're talking about replicative immortality. So ignore my cell-to-cell contact at the moment. Let's talk about the fact that normal cells stop after a certain amount of growth cycles.
2: Because of the telomeres have shortened it
1: so much that now they've probably got no protective ends to them. So let me, ta- let me talk about telomeres yeah. for a sec, right? Okay. I'm going to use Dr. Carl's analogy here. So the telomeres... Are like the ends of your shoelaces. You know the plastic ends of your shoelace. Yep. That's called an aglet, Dr. Cal, I learnt from. Right? <laughs> I sound like Yoda. An aglet. Now that protects the shoelace from fraying, just like a telomere. And, and the shoelace is the DNA. And just like a telomere, which is the end of a chromosome protects the underlying DNA from damage and fray, right? Mm. But every time you copy a DNA or copy a chromosome, I should say, which is DNA, those telomeres get shorter and shorter, which means over time, over a lifetime, the telomeres get so short that the DNA starts to get damaged and frayed. Uh. So telomerase, which is an enzyme... That lengthens telomeres is a protective mechanism for all cells.
2: Yeah, and right? that, that enzyme, which is a protein, yes. is made from a gene in your DNA. That's right. So you can make cells, normally, that could make this enzyme just to help it keep replicating itself. Correct. Which will be different to, between some cells that can only copy itself for a few times in its life versus ones
1: that can do it, let's say, 50 to 100 times a life. And so this is important. For a couple of reasons. One, it's important because normal cells only have a certain amount of telomerase or telomerase activity yeah. and one stimulus or one uh, factor that results in aging and cell death is shortening telomeres. That's, that's one. A, that's a theory. One factor, right? As a theory, it's one factor. But in cancers, mutations leading to constant activation of telomerase meaning constant mm. lengthening of these telomeres or at least maintaining telomere length Saves that DNA from damage and fraying, and can result in immortality of those cells. Right.
2: So can I? So the So those two steps, both because it doesn't kill itself anymore, yep. and it can continually replicate
1: itself forever. Yeah. Now it makes the cell immortal. That's right. And the, let me mm-hmm. g- provide an example here. There's a type of cell that we've used within the labs, or at least I've used in the labs. Four skins. Not foreskins. Oh. I decided to say no to that when it was offered to me. Huh. There's a type of cell which is common throughout the world and for scientists called Hela cells. H-E-L-A. It's actually acronym? spelled capital H-E, capital L-A. Acronym? It is an acronym, and it actually stands for somebody's name. Henrietta Lacks. If you've got Netflix, there's a movie out on Netflix at the moment called The Story of Henrietta Lacks. It's actually starring Oprah. Oprah is starring. Is playing it's that, it's this just character. Her. Oprah is her. Oprah is playing her. <laughs> All right, right, okay. As a character. Now, who is Henry Lacks? Adela- so Henrietta Adela- Lacks, I think it was back in the 50s or 60s, had a very aggressive form of cervical cancer, which needed surgical intervention. Now, as they took out... Which could be caused from that virus we spoke about. Anyway, go on. HPV, potentially. So as they took this tumour out, right, it had these cancerous cells present. And what they did was they took it to a lab and they analysed these cancerous cells. Now, they never got her permission to do this. And she did subs- she die? She subsequently passed away very quickly because it was such an aggressive form of cancer. Okay, so they and couldn't s- really get consent then? R- no. No, not at all. Not from her nor her family did they get consent to use, to take the tissue, and but not necessarily to take the tissue as the issue, but to take the cells from that tissue s- to a lab to analyse and then send it to another lab, and then another lab, So they could and have, then another They could then said
2: to look to their colleagues in... Blah, blah, land. Yeah. Look, look at these weird cells. Have a look at these. And they'll send it. Yeah. And they grow it up. And they go, oh, And then they'll send it
1: to another lab. Another. And in actual fact, it's now been sent all over the world. And there are tons and tons of these HeLa cells originally isolated. When you say tons
2: and tons, do you just mean a lot? Or you actually mean by Literal measure? Literal tons.
1: Oh, wow. Literal tons by well, measure. Well, you used them, didn't you? I've used them before. Did you get consent? I didn't. Well, I've got ethical approval and you to use them. you said my foreskins were bad. But, but, How oh, yeah. dare you judge me. But back in the day, yeah, but i Anyway. <laughs> so, but these healer cells... So there's a movie about this. Uh, it's very important. It's, it, it's important because, one, approval wasn't obtained from Henrietta Lacks nor her family to use these cells, yet these cells have been used for decades by cancer biologists and have actually led to the discovery of numerous cancer therapies and has led to the life-saving therapeutics for thousands and thousands of people. So Henrietta wow. Lacks so has saved thousands if not millions of people's lives who have had cancer because of her cells. So I think it's an amazing story. It is an amazing story. But that's because her cells are still growing. After over 50 years, they look—they are still growing the- from that initial biopsy, they're immortal. Mm-hmm. And there's tons, there's more more cells of just the healer than of her that have ever existed. Well, yeah, She She's, wouldn't be a ton, would she? No, of course not.
2: So there's Amazing. that.
1: So, so that is the... Uh, and I'll, I'll put
2: an, a point in there, mm. because I also used fibroblast cells that were from a cancerous origin. Yeah. i not sure where. Anyway, uh, and they, yeah, they would just keep growing. So they would actually Crazy. grow on top of each other mm. and... Grow outside the plate, but that's where we go. The bench.
1: That's where we can go to the next point. If no, you actually like, they,
2: did, they didn't do that. I'm oh, going to the I
1: bench. Know. I hope not so that that then feeds to the point that I made earlier that you said not to talk about yet, and talks about that point that you were saying where the cells grow outside of the of their normal confined space. No, you got one more. You want to go angiogenesis first? Yeah,
2: that's because that's your fuel. Okay, you want to do it? Well, I mean. Uh, as this cancer, because now we're in the complete context of cancer, mm. we've got the accelerator on, brakes turned off. The repair the repair man's day off; he's yep. not there. Um, the cancer can't kill itself anymore, and the t- telomerase is the enzyme is constantly on, so it keeps allowing it to regenerate forever. So it's an immortal cell that's highly um, mitotic. So it's yes. important to say now that that one cell that started it has now conserved all these kind of mutations in it. Mm -hmm. So its cellular children, progenies, Mm. will have these mutations in it. That's right. Okay, and so this one cell is now just amassing bigger and bigger and bigger,
1: right? Just just to to that point, I don't know if you want me to talk about that yet or not, but this is a a really important point in current cancer research, which is called genomic instability. So that process of obtaining a mutation which is detrimental, passing that mutation on, and then gathering more mutations over subsequent generations is called genomic instability. And basically, what happen, it's this multi-step tumor progression in which each time you make a copy of that cell, it triggers another chance acquisition of a mutation that oh, just gets okay. passed on and passed on. Right. And what you'll find is the more mutations you get, the more likely you are to get more mutations. Oh, so it's more vulnerable. That's exactly right. Okay. Oh, anyway, my point,
2: okay, was, so keep going my point was, let's say in a skin, mm-hmm. and let's use my BCC as an example. Yeah, your basal uh, cell carcinoma. It's starting, starting to amass itself in this big bundle of cells. So uh-huh. It's not one cell now, it's now, let's just say, 100 cells all massed in, right? It will pretty quickly run out of fuel, nutrients. And what's the fuel? Well, all the nutrients it needs in that area, like so oxygen, oxygen and glucose, glucose, all the micronutrients.
1: But in addition to gaining the fuel, it needs yeah. to get rid of the fuel too. So if it oh, starts okay. using a lot of fuel, yeah. it needs a way to get rid of it, right. and that getting is is CO2 and waste. Sure. So you need pathway in, pathway out. Yeah,
2: okay. So it needs a method of obtaining its nutrients. Yeah. And so it will need new blood vessels to it. Okay. Okay, and this... Processes called angiogenesis.
1: Angiogenesis predominantly happens through embryogenesis, right? So well, no. There's, well, there's two differences
2: there. You get vasculogenesis, which is um, creating the vessels from scratch, yes. which is just new, brand new vessels. Mm-hmm. But angiogenesis is branches off those established vessels. It's, okay. So it can't just spontaneously just make a vessel, but it will encourage vessels neighbouring to grow into it.
1: Okay. Okay. Okay.
2: And I guess a whole... But mark... these
1: signals are usually turned off in adult life, right? Well, I guess... I'm, a... sh- I'm sure they're turned on in various processes such as when you exercise and no, you go grow back... muscle tissue. No, and... go
2: back to your analogy on the skin. When you cut your skin mm. and you get inflammation, one of, the, one of the things that will happen is you release a whole lot of chemicals that will encourage a great deal of blood flow to the area. And that's why the early stages of wound healing... It's um, I think it's the granulated stage which is very red and but it bleeds
1: very easily. Sure. Does but, that make sense? Yeah, but my point was that normal cells undergoing the cell cycle don't turn angiogenesis on. Well, they would in, in that circumstance they sure, would, which but is that's still a, normal. But that's a particular state. So that that Sure. I, I, yeah, I okay, I guess if you if you mean So if we just take a normal skin cell that's dividing, right? Making new copies of itself. It doesn't promote angiogenesis. It just it keeps no. the, the blood vessels that are there happy with it. But if you start making more and more of these cancerous cells, like you said, there's a, a need for more yeah. nutrients in and more waste to get out, which turns on something that cancer biologists call an angiogenic switch. So again, it's genetic. Yep, it and it's, turns this angiogenic switch on, and that is what triggers the new sprouting of these blood vessels or vasculature to and from the cancer.
2: Yep. Are you okay with that? Yep. And so blood vessels will start to grow into that tumour. Let's call it a tumour now because it's a swelling. Okay. Okay. Um, but at this stage, we could classify this tumour as benign because it hasn't moved outside its region that it's currently in, which in my case, so the BCC, mm-hmm. is still in the epidermis. Okay. Okay. But it's bringing a blood supply into it. Mm-hmm. So I guess a good hallmark to remember, a lot of tumours have a very rich blood supply. So they've probably got a greater likelihood to bleed yeah, And so some of the first things that pop up is bleeding. Mm. So if it's a bowel cancer, yeah. you're likely to get blood in your stool. Gotcha. If it's lung cancer, you're likely to cough up blood. Gotcha. Things like that. Makes Ma- sense.
1: Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So
2: now we have to somehow go from a benign, and I did say that in your car story. Before I moved to the, the barrier, which is if people picked up on that. So now you've got to... I think we should just... Keep with, keep with benign for a second. Sure. Because in its name, it suggests that it's kind of benign. But uh Oculus, Like, like yeah. not really causing harm. Sure. Is that kind of how you read it? Uh, yes, but that's, that's not necessarily true. Yeah, so it's important to note that a benign tumor, we can't say cancer yet because it's not a true cancer, mm-hmm. let's just say a benign tumor remains localized in that, tissue of origin.
1: Fair? Uh, Partly fair, because I know that new definitions of benign tumours can actually, do not necessarily always remain encapsulated within its space. All right. But but predominantly, yes, I agree with you. Okay.
2: And the other characteristic, which you may disagree with me, Mm because you've just read
1: a big review article, which is the latest off the press. I have to say... Thank you to the cancer biologist Darren Saunders okay. for supplying that, that but, a wonderful article. But
2: my understanding of, of a benign tumour is if you were to get a biopsy of it mm. and have a pathologist look down the microscope at it, the cells in it would resemble the tissue of that area. So, so it, yeah. would, it would look like the local, so it's still differentiated. Mm-hmm that my fair by saying that. Yeah, that's fair. So if you if it was the pull my BCD out look at it they would say they are still epidermal skin yes. cells. Gotcha. Okay. Now, so in many cases benign tumors won't cause and this is just by by number mm. they won't cause uh, effects that might be life-threatening. Okay, sure. in most cases. Yes. However, if they are in locations of vulnerable
1: points, yep. they can cause serious. So they effects. may, because it's a growth, it's a growth. It's it's getting larger than yeah. that area should, and it could uh, push on blood vessels. Yep. it could impinge certain organs and organ systems. Yep. And so, uh, for example, you could have a benign growth in your neck, which could push against arteries, yeah. feeding your brain. Yep. It could push against. Or your larynx, or your or your larynx, you can't, your can't swallow. Larynx, you can't swallow. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one way in which benign tumours can be detrimental to your health.
2: Or some good examples, another good example would be in your brain,
1: because
2: mm. your brain's encased within a skull, yep. and there's only a certain amount of space there. That cranial and as it vault. Gets, and as it gets bigger and bigger, it's either going to push on brain structures. example would be a meningioma, where you come from the meninges, the outside covering, but it goes into the brain mm. and pushes on... Certain structures, and then the person will present with deficits that are being pushed on. Yes. Okay. Or it could, or it could be in the uh, drainage the drainage pathway of the CSF. So where your cerebral spinal fluid is, um, it has to kind of move through these pipes and then get reabsorbed. Yes. But if you have a tumor, like let's say in the choroid plexus, mm-hmm. you can block it off, and then you get a you could get a condition like hydrocephalus, which is fluid on the brain, yeah, which
1: accumulation, be, which leads to increased intracranial pressure right. and neurological deficits.
2: Yeah, but I'll give one last one, and then we should move on, Okay. unless you have a really good one as well. No, no, no. Um, you okay. could have a benign tumour, okay, but it's in a gland. Mm-hmm. So you could have a pituitary adenoma. Ah. Okay, so it's in a uh, endocrinal. So does that mean it could cell? affect hormone release? Yeah, so could it could upregulate hormone release, or just yeah, that's right. Just releases a huge amount of that
1: hormone. Gotcha. So, so if it's an like anterior pituitary, it could be growth hormone, for example. Right, and an so increased growth hormone, and you can get what? Or if it's after
2: puberty, mm. you could get acromegaly. Okay. Or if it's before, you could get gigantism. gigantism. Okay.
1: All right. So you said that mm. simplistically a benign tumour remains encapsulated within its area yeah. and remains differentiated. So it, it's still the cell type it began mm. as. Yeah. So does that mean that if we look to a malignant
2: yeah. cancer... And you can use cancer now because cancer is, in definition, meaning malignant, at my because best it, it, understanding. Because it, it still
1: has the, the last point, which we haven't spoken about yet. It is invasive and mm. metastatic. So it can invade other areas, and it can move from one place to the next. Yeah. Okay, so then the difference between benign and malignant, one, is that invasiveness. So it's no longer encapsulated within its local area. It's moved. And the other thing is that the cells are, are metaplasic. So they change their cell type. Okay,
2: I'm not sure if that's the best term. Okay, c- become that's they become
1: undifferentiated. They actually the move. D, I think it's called de. So de-differentiate. Different- that's what I meant. So they move from a differentiated state yeah. to a more de-differentiated good, state. Yeah, so as though they're moving back in their lineage. Yeah, exactly. Okay, brilliant. All right, I'll say that instead of the
2: metaplasia then, because metaplasia is a normal. It can be a normal. Very um, true. Cell adaptation. Yeah, and very a good true. example of metaplasia would be smoking. So. If a person smokes over time, mm. their airway becomes metaplasic, which means it changes from a... I mycos- meant to say dysplasic. Yeah. That's what I meant to say, sorry. Changes from cells with little hairs on it Yes. to no cells anymore. That's right. And that's why they can't get rid of certain...
1: Well, An even type. more s- simpler one is you get calluses on your hand when you lift up heavy weights and you do manual labour. That's metaplasia. Is it? Of course. Okay. I didn't know that. I thought yeah, it was just more collagen. Well, thickening of the keratinus epidermis, but it's changing the type of um, epithelial cells that are present. All right. Um, So, okay, let's move to the last point, which is invasion and metastasis. Okay. So So now we're going
2: specifically into a malignant form of tumour now.
1: Yeah, and I think this is where, when we were talking about growing cells in the dish in the labs, that the cancer cells, I said normal cells, when they hit the walls of the dish, they stop growing. Or at least usually they do. Cancerous cells, they don't give a crap. They'll hit the walls, they'll keep going, they'll grow on top of each other, they'll grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. Well, stick, just stick with the, my BCC. Okay.
2: My BCC was benign, mm-hmm. but for it to become malignant, because its base that it's sitting on is the basement membrane, yep. for it to get out of the epidermis, it has to eat its way through the base. Yes. And so there's this kind of connective tissue layer at the bottom, and, and these, laminar, cells, yep, these cells will start to project through it. Okay. And under the epidermis is the dermis. Right? Gotcha. And in the dermis is where blood vessels and lymphatic. Very good. Yeah, which yeah. are highways. Yeah. So if, this is your analogy of now it's, the car
1: has made its own tracks, roads. So it's jumped into lymphatics or blood vessels and can travel. This is the other point about cancerous cells is normal cells are really sticky. They love cell-to-cell contact. Cancerous cells don't care. Cancerous cells tend to lose some of these adhesion molecules, which tell a cell to contact another cell, which means they tend to come apart from each other quite easily, which means it makes it easier for them to then metastasize, move from one place to another place. And so if it jumps in, if one of these cancerous cells jump into the lymphatic system... Which is my best understanding is probably the more likely first pathway because... Because it tends to pull fluid that's been... Um, accumulating in the interstitium, yeah, in the so tissue, yeah, between the cells, yeah. between the tissue, lymph pulls that liquid away. Blood vessels are usually quite well in, in, encased. Yeah, that's right. Even the capillaries are quite well encased. But they
2: got a lot, they're very leaky. They're very leaky. That's right. So they, the cell could probably quite easily get into a lymph vessel. Mm. Much easier than it could in a blood vessel,
1: right? And it travels to a node, usually a node, its closest node, and a node is a site of immune cell production, but also is like a filter.
2: Yeah, so use an example here of the breast. Yes. So the breast would generally drain its lymphatics in probably two main areas. It can either go centrally to kind of where your sternum is Mm -hmm. or kind of go closer to where your armpit is. So the axillary region. So
1: on the same side of the breast. And so, if if and some now of the you've got all those little nodes, axillary lymph nodes, right. So if some of the cancerous cells slough off into that lymph yep. and go to the axillary lymph nodes under the arm, yep. you may feel lumps. You may feel yeah. a, a, an increased size of those lymph nodes. Yeah. Hence, why when you're sick, doctors feel your lymph nodes because yeah, if you're they're sick, swollen. they're swollen because it's telling you that those cells of those lymph nodes are producing more and more and more immune cells. Yeah. Right. right. And so if that happens at a lymph node under your arm, that may mean when if somebody has a breast cancer and they do a a mastectomy, removal of the breast, they'll often take those lymph nodes as well because, yes, you may get the initial tumour that was in the breast, but some of those cells may have gone into the lymph nodes, so let's get rid of that as well so it doesn't travel anywhere. And And that's important because clinically, especially for nurses and doctors, for example, because when you take blood pressure from that arm, that doesn't have any lymph nodes, you put the cuff on, right, and increase that pressure on the arm, and that pressure leads to a pushing out of blood out into the interstitium in that area, near the axillary, and usually that blood is reclaimed by the lymph, but if you've removed all the lymph, it can lead to edema and and issues of that arm. So you usually take a blood pressure from the other arm. I didn't know that. You probably should.
2: I know, like, again, all the therapeutics for cancer changes so rapidly. Oh, of course, of but course. But at least my understanding for breast cancer, one of the one of the things they used to do was what we call mm. a, a sentinel um, node biopsy, yeah. which would they would inject the tumour um, before they remove it. I think. Oh yeah. With like a dye, mm. and they would find they then trace to see where it drained into, and then they'll know which node is most likely involved, and then they would take the node out and see if it's involved and if it is then they'll have to go to the next node further along wow. and see if that's involved. And just keep going. Yeah and that this might as I said may have changed and that way they can get an idea of how much they can remove out rather than just take everything out. Sure.
1: Okay. So anything else you want to say about invasion and metastasis? Well I think an important point
2: here is uh, and it goes to your what you said about the de-differentiation, mm. you might be able to get a skin cell, okay, and it might leave the epidermis, but if you put it into the blood or the lymph, if it hasn't de-differentiated, mm. it, it won't grow in the area that it stops at, okay? So, ah, gotcha. When because it, it's when used it to seeds, its microenvironment. That's right. It's used to living in the, in the skin, mm. okay? But if you transport it up to, let's say, lung, into the lung... Because the lung gets a good blood flow. Uh, it, if it hasn't de-differentiated, it won't grow there because the lung environment doesn't suit its environment. Sure. But part of it what, what makes it malignant, it goes backwards in its differentiation process. So it de-differentiates into a much earlier upper cell. Yes. And then wherever it ends up, so if it goes in the lymph or it goes in the blood, wherever it stops, it can just take off
1: again. Okay. So, so what happens when somebody has a, a secondary cancer?
2: Oh, that's good. So the, the the place it first started. Yeah, is the primary.
1: Gotcha. And then a second. So, so what if you ha- so, let's just say you have cancer, uh, bone cancer, but it's secondary to the lung. So you had primary lung cancer which metastasized to the bone. Okay. What if you were to take some of the biopsy of the bone? Yeah view it under the microscope. That tumour? That tumour. Will it... Well, first, it's a good point to say
2: that the only way you can diagnose um, the cancer in terms of knowing what it is, is by a biopsy and pathology. Yes. You might be able to view it on an image, like an X-ray or a CT or MRI or a PET scan, but you don't know what type of cell it is. Mm. So, once you've pulled those cells out of the tumour, you can then look at it, the pathologist will have... A range of tests that they can do to tell whoever the oncologist where
1: that tumor originated from because there'll still be some characteristics of the originating cell,
2: yeah, I'm not sure but they can they can put markers on it at least mm. where it might retain some of the markers you might i don't know I'm just guessing here you might be a, it might let's say the skin let's say in this case it's a melanoma now mm-hmm it mightn't look like a melanoma anymore. Yeah. It might be pigmented, so they might go, oh, it's producing black stuff, so that, that is a good indication. But they might have to put antibodies onto it that would bind to certain Procodes things that, that only... Skin cell would have. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Okay, that makes sense. But so that's just working
2: off the top of my head. It could be more updated now. So,
1: just to... So re- that's an important point. That's a very important point. So I think what we've just gone through are what's usually recognised as... No, I think we've done all. One more, I think. What's the last one? The the last one, or at least i Because I've got a couple more, but they're they're sort of additional hallmarks.
2: Well, the the last one I had is just its ability to
1: bypass or be picked up by the immune system. Okay, yeah, that's an additional one that I'm going to add in a sec. So let me just reiterate these six hallmarks. So these six hallmarks that we just went through over the past hour is... What's been recognized over the past couple of decades, right? but obviously new research over the past couple of years have added some more now those six that we just stated, which are, which are sort of embedded in the dogma of cancer biology, is one the unlimited proliferation which turning on of oncogenes, two yeah. evading growth suppressors, so things telling it to turn just off turn, turn, turn off, turning off tumor suppressors, three um, enabling rep- replicative immortality, which is turning on these telemerases, right? Four, resisting cell death, which is turning off apoptosis genes. Yeah. And a five, angiogenesis, which is turning on that angiogenic switch, feeding blood to this area. And, and so at this it point it could be a benign or malignant. Correct. But- And then number six to result in the malignant tumor. So now it it moves into a malignant tumor? Is invasion and metastasis. Moves out of the local area in general. Now, what we've got are some additional ones, which should be included in this, and one of which was the fact that cancers evade the immune system. So that's one important point, its ability to evade the immune system. Another important point, now there are others, but another important point is the fact that cancer cells reprogram their energy metabolism. The way they feed themselves. So we know that you know we take we've got various macronutrients, proteins, fats, carbs, and we take any, we derive energy from these macronutrients, right? So carbohydrates turn to glu, uh, glucose. Glucose gets into the cell. Glucose and oxygen at the mitochondria make ATP. Beautiful, we've got energy. What you'll find with that cancer cells is that they've got this dysregulated energy metabolism. Now this dysregulated energy metabolism predominantly involves increasing the uptake of glucose and amino acids. And the amino acid which seems to be quite important for cancer cells is one that's called glutamine. Okay. So cancer cells tend to love glucose and glutamine. But don't interpret this as though sugar causes cancer mm. because that's an oversimplification which yeah. does not make sense. If you don't have glucose you're Cancer cells are still going to find a way to get energy, okay? Yeah, okay? Definitely will. Because you can make glucose from pretty much any any other energy yeah. source, right? Gluconeogenesis. That's right. So this isn't a whole podcast yeah. to focus on, but we won't. So I I'll wonder, just leave it there. I wonder if those
2: cells have the ability to actually do gluconeogenesis.
1: Cancer cells? Yeah. Well, I know that with... Some of the evidence that's Instead been shown doing it, recently doing is that they like to undergo glycolysis, and we know that you can get X amount of ATP from glycolysis. But then the glucose after glycolysis needs to turn into pyruvate, which jumps into the mitochondria. Yeah, and this turns to <coughs> excuse me, trying to hold that back. This turns into ATP. So. Glucose going to pyruvate produces a handful of ATP. Then pyruvate in the mitochondria produces a lot more ATP. Okay. But cancer cells tend to just like the glycolysis pathway.
2: Okay. Oh, there you go. All right. <coughs> I think that's. Excuse me. I think that's basically all the steps we really need to go through. Um.
1: However.
2: Yes. I think we should just mention at least in Australia. Yeah. What are the biggest.
1: Oh, great. Okay. So in Australia, if we have a look, we're first going to talk about the incidence of cancers, and then we're going to have a talk about the death. Very quickly.
2: Okay, Michael's about to sneeze again. Are you? He's just looking at me. No, me. I'm fine. I'm
1: fine. So first thing is incidence. The most common cancer in Australia, from my research, is breast and prostate cancer. They're both number one. Most common causes, most common cancers in Australia. Right. Number two, colorectal cancer. Number three, melanomas, skin cancer. Yep. And even though it's number three, melanomas in Australia, well, Australia is the most, um, highest incidence of skin cancer is in Australia. Right. To be specific, the highest incidence of skin cancers in the world are Queensland. Mm. So melanoma number three, and then lung cancer number four. Now, this doesn't translate to the most common cause of cancer deaths. So of these types of incidences, of these types of cancers, lung cancer has the highest death rate. Okay, let me, let me be more accurate in my description. So of those people with lung cancer, it's going to... No. Of people with cancer, the most die from lung cancer. Is that Right. Of people with cancer, the second most deaths are from prostate and breast. Of people with cancer, the third most common is colorectal for death. And of people with cancer, pancreatic cancer is the fourth most common death. Now, since pancreatic cancer wasn't on the incidence list, it means that pancreatic cancer is not common, but it has a high death rate.
2: Yeah, I have heard that. So with with that said... Yeah. With that said... Even though they're all different types of cancers in a different part of the body. Yeah. um, They are all working off what we just went through of all those mutations of those seven, eight steps. That's right. Okay, so that has to all happen. But the risk factors that are kind of infused into it is just what attributes to those cancers occurring. So lung cancer, as we said, the biggest risk factor to get lung cancer is smoking. Yes. Smoking has a huge degree of carcinogenic properties to it which is going to increase 6 5 to 6 fold 500 to 600 percent increase yeah. of the, all those mutations that we spoke about to develop into a type of lung cancer that's it now the type of lung cancer would be from asbestos so mesothelioma which is from the covering of lung yeah that's a different type of carcinogen not like smoking um, prostate for example a big um, risks in prostate for example, is um, being African-American background. So that's yeah. the highest ra- racial prevalence in the world. Yeah. So specifically to African-Americans, so even higher than people in Africa. Wow. Okay, so there's wow. something given more specific to that. Um, with strange. With things like, additionally, things like um, high-fat diets. They, these are just additional risks. Yeah. Um, colorectal, we know... Certain things like fiber, low fiber, increased meat. For some reason, there's something to do with probably the environment of a a more, I don't know, constipated state is likely to probably cause a whole lot of chemicals, which could be an inflammatory response. Yeah, because we know
1: inflammation or is
2: another reactive oxygen species and stuff like that. Yeah, free radicals and so forth. Yeah, Yeah. Um, breast, as we said, has a strong genetic link, but also has a strong Hormonal link. Yes. So true. I think, I think if you have high degrees of estrogen or progesterone yeah. over longer periods, you have a much higher incidence of breast cancer. Yes. So uh, females who take the pill are in a huge greater likelihood of developing
1: breast. Yeah. Probably not huge, but a greater likelihood.
2: Yeah. I'm not sure that I'm not. But it's significant. Yes.
1: Yes. That's right.
2: So. I guess we're just illustrating that cancers which are so broad, they, they all have a genetic That's for sure. basis. And yep. they go through all those steps that we illustrated. There's a lot in there. And I think the car analogy was very good. Thank you. Yeah. Anything else? No, I think we're good. Michael's just gone downhill with his nose. Oh,
1: I've just, something in this room has just suddenly irritated me. And it's not you. That's for why us. he's
2: got quiet.
1: But I'm quiet because I need to blow my bloody nose. His nose now blocked up with something. That's right. But cancer is done. Okay, any final housekeeping before we close? Everyone, you can follow us on Facebook, Dr. Matt and Dr. Mike's Medical Podcast. You can view our uh, anatomy, physiology, pathophysiology, pharmacology videos on YouTube. Again, it's Dr. Matt and Dr. Mike's Medical YouTube. You can follow us on Instagram, at GUBiosciences. You can follow us on Twitter, at GU Biosciences, or you can follow us individually on Twitter. I'm at Mikey Todd, and Matt is at Dr. Bartox. Please feel free to follow us, ask us questions, have a chat. You can also send us an email if you like, which is gubiosciences at gmail.com. We love you all. Speak to you soon.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands.